Welcome to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. We're a church in Gahanna, Ohio, that exists to help people find and follow God. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and helps you discover how much God really loves you. Well, good morning, Three Creeks. Uh, As Joel said, my name is Derek, Derek Wan. Uh, like Obi-Wan Kenobi, as we like to say in our family. Um, and uh, I'm super pumped to get to be here with you, this, with you all this morning uh, and to get to look at God's Word together. Uh, my wife, Kelsey, and our three kids have been so blessed uh, by being a part of this church for the last just over a year now. Um, and uh, yeah, so I just want to say thank you. I want to start by saying thank you. You all have blessed us in so many different ways. Uh, so it's a privilege to get to be up here in front of you this morning uh, and get to open God's Word with you. Uh, I'm also here for another reason, though, uh, and that's to reinforce what my friend and brother Tyler uh, did for us last week, which is, show, which is to show you that being bald is beautiful. Uh, that's another purpose of mine today. Uh, just because I don't have great hair and black jeans uh, doesn't mean that I can't uh, preach the Word of God, too. And so, uh, yeah, I'm just thankful and grateful to get to represent the bald and beautiful men of this world to you. Um, well, this morning we are continuing uh, our, our through Ephesians. We've been marching through Ephesians for a good while now. And uh, Ephesians is, uh, is actually not a book, it's a letter. It's a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church in Ephesus uh, about 2,000 years ago. Um, and so Paul was writing it to Christians, to believers, to people that were trying to figure out what does it actually mean to follow Jesus and to live for him. Uh, so he's writing to this church in Ephesus. And in the first half of the letter, the first three chapters, uh, he reminds them of the whole story of the gospel. Everything about the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he reminds them and takes them through the whole story of the gospel. And in the second half of the letter, chapters four through six, he then explains how that whole story of the gospel should impact our whole lives, every single part of our lives, how because of what has been done, now, therefore, this is how we should live. So we're in, we've been in the second half of the letter now for several weeks. And uh, as a reminder, if you're newer, the, the things we've talked about so far in, this, in the back half, the how now shall we live part of the, of the letter, uh, we talked about a church that honors Christ, being a church that honors Christ. We talked about being a home, a home that honors Christ. We talked about being a life, living a life that honors Christ. And starting this week uh, and continuing for the next couple weeks, we're going to go into the, the part we're just calling, wait, before you go, a few more things. Uh, and so that's the beginning of what we're starting this last little section as we close up the letter. Uh, and that's going to be in Ephesians chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles um, and you'd like to open them, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 8. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles, that's okay. We're going to have the um, verses up on the screen for you. So go ahead and um, take a second and flip to Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 8. And we're going to read verses 8 to 14 together. I think we got it up on the screen for you. Here we go. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. All right. 
So before we jump into this passage, I want to uh, take us back in time a little bit to 2015, if you will with me, real fast. There was a uh, viral internet sensation that you might, might remember. Uh, it's a picture of a dress, this dress. Uh, you might recall that there was a debate that raged on the internet for a long time. What, color, what colors is this dress? Is it white and gold or black and blue? Uh, some would say the, ra- the debate still rages. Uh, homes have been discussing this over dinner tables, I think, for the last eight years, trying to figure out the right answer. What is this dress? Uh, what does it mean? Um, and then uh, as I was thinking about this, and I'll tell you why this came to mind in a second, another viral internet trend that happened shortly after came to mind. I think we got that for you here in a second. Laurel. Laurel. What do we hear? Laurel. Yanny or Laurel? Laurel. Laurel. Okay. Anyone out there who hears Yanny, I don't know if I can have you hang out with my kids anymore. I'm not sure if I trust you. Uh, That one, the the dress I can see, I can understand a little bit how there's a debate. The Laurel Yanny thing makes no sense to me whatsoever. So for Team Yanny out there, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, But here's the thing. Um, This morning, we're going to be talking about light and darkness. And uh, some some of us in this room, some of us in this room are very comfortable with things that are very black and white, very simple, very straightforward. It's either this or that. Some of us like to live our lives that way. Others of us like to live in the more nuanced, complex middle. We like the messy middle. We're comfortable with the messy middle. We like, in fact, it kind of feels more comfortable and safe not to pick a side, but to kind of see the best in both sides. But regardless of which person you are, I think we can all agree that there's some things that are just objectively true, right? Some things that are just objectively true. The temperature, it's just an objective truth. Uh, what season it is right now, you know, that's, that's just objectively true. Um, the, that tacos should be eaten every Tuesday, that's an objective truth. That just the world, it's just, we don't, no one has to tell you that, you just kind of know it to be innately true inside of you. Uh, that Ohio is better than Michigan in every way possible. Those are there's just some things that are just written into the fabric of the universe. There's no way to argue them. Uh, and so, but while, that, while that's funny, but also true that there are some things that are objectively true, we get to things like the dress and all of a sudden, something that can seem so true to you, to someone else, can be the total opposite. And, it's, and that was why this thing blew up on the internet, is because it was so confusing to all of us that, like, wait, what do you mean it's black and blue? Like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't, I've never been diagnosed as colorblind. How? And people thought each other were joking. Like, we were just, you know, we've never been more confused. And same thing with the Yanny or Laurel thing. We've never been more confused that something that can seem so clear and so obvious and so true to me Someone else can see something or hear something totally different. And that, that, that's very confusing, and it, it caused a stir with you know, millions of people debating and arguing. And I think that that's not a new problem. It's not a new problem. The world, while those things are silly, the dress and the, and the sound bites, uh, our world's confused about many things. Many things in this world are very confusing. Uh, many things in this world we can't agree on. And to some of us, like the thing that, we can just be so passionate about one thing being true. Like, of course, this is how the world just works or should work or what we should do. But then there's another group of people somewhere out there that couldn't disagree more, and they think it should be the total opposite, right? And, and now that's where we find ourselves in this moment. Here in the, in the modern West, in the United States, in Columbus, there are just groups of people that are just adamantly disagreeing with each other about the world and its purpose and our purpose and how it should work and how we should live in it. And, it, and it, it can be so confusing because we're like, well, wait, how can something that feels so obvious and so true to me, for someone else, it can look like it'd be something totally different, right? And that's not new. That's not a modern 2023 problem. That's been something that has happened, I think, for a long time. And I think that's what Paul is addressing 
in this letter a little bit, and in this passage we're going to read together. So let's go uh, back to the passage, Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to go to verse 8. Um, so I think we got that up on the screen for you. There we go. Okay, so for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the, in the Lord. Walk, walk as children of light. So the first thing I want us to look at this morning is that for Paul, for Paul, a change in being, your identity, being children of light, is a change in being. It's a change in who you are. He's reminding them, you are now children of light. You are no longer children of darkness. You're children of light. That change in being, therefore, must lead to a change in doing. For Paul, the change in being must lead to a change in doing. And that's what we've been discussing for weeks now going through Ephesians, right? The first half of the book is the change in being. It's the gospel. It's the truth about Jesus and who he is. And then the back half of the letter is the change in doing and what that should mean for us. And he's reminding them both in the letter, meta, and also in this sentence here, that you are no longer who you were. You are now children of light. This idea of a change in being leading to a change in doing is unique to Christianity. Among all the different religions of the world, this is a unique idea that Christ became a human being for us, put on our sin um, on the cross, died, lived the perfect life, but then died the death we deserved so that he could change who we are. Every other religion talks about, hey, this is how you get and earn and work your way to God, but not in Christianity. In Christianity, who you are changes first, and that changes your actions. Every other religion, change your actions. Here's how you achieve, how you work, how you grow, how you change to be able to be made right with God, but not in Christianity. In Christianity, here's what God has already done for you, and he's chosen you, and he's picked you, and he's saved you, and knowing that will change you. Unique to Christianity. Another way to think about it, uh, a phrase that just kind of helps me remember this, is we should be people as Christians who are because of people, not so that people. Here's what I mean by that. Because of. We are people that because of, because of Christ's love for us, because of what Christ has done for us, because of all the things that he has given us and blessed us with, that's why we do things. Not so that. Not so that God will love us. Not so that God will bless us. Not so that people will like us, right? We don't do things so that. We do things because of, because of who we are, because of what Christ has done for us. And when we do things that are because of, instead of so that, because of leads to freedom, it leads to peace, it leads to security, right? If it's already been accomplished, if the thing has already happened that we're doing it because of, it leads to, to freedom and to peace and to security, but when we're stuck in a so that mindset, a so that mindset, so that God will bless me, so that people will love me, when we're, le- when we're living our lives so that, that leads to bondage. That leads to anxiety. That leads to fear. Doesn't it? When we're living our lives so that, it makes it a lot harder to go to sleep at night. It makes it a lot easier for our brains just to not want to turn off because we're wondering, Did I do a good enough job today? Did I do it right? Did I seize every opportunity? Did I showcase the love of Jesus the right way? What about when I said this to my kids? Or how I said that to my kids? What about when I said this to my coworker? Or how I said it to my coworker? Or to my friends? Right, when we live in a so that mindset, it just leads to anxiety, it leads to fear, it leads to bondage. Like it's, it's not, we can never really know, are we actually measuring up? We're constantly going to have the doubts swirling through our head. But that's not who we are 
As Christians, that's not what Jesus died for. He died so that we would live because of, in the freedom, in the peace, in the security of knowing that Jesus has already been enough so we don't have to be anymore. That should totally change how we live. But not so that. Because of. And I know I need to be reminded of that this morning. And that's why I think that Paul is reminding them in this letter over and over and over again, you aren't who you used to be. You are new people. Whether you act like it all the time, whether it feels like it all the time, whether you remember it all the time or not, doesn't change the fact that you are different. You are children of light. It's a new identity. And because we didn't earn that new identity, we didn't put that on ourselves, we're not in danger of losing it. It's been given to us by Jesus, accomplished for us by Jesus. So don't forget, Christians, Paul, church in Ephesus, Three Creeks Church, Columbus, Ohio, don't forget, you're a new person. When you meet, when you meet Christ, you are a new person. You are children of light. Okay, that's verse 8. Verse 9, here we go. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. The fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. So friends, as we embrace who we are and as we live out who we are, that will lead to the fruit of light. And the fruit of light is goodness, righteousness, and truth. Doesn't our world need more of that? Doesn't Columbus need more of that? Doesn't your home need more of that? Things that are good, things that are right, things that are true. It can be kind of easy maybe to gloss over those words, but if we actually think about them for more than just a second, I don't know, those words themselves, to me, they're like water on dry ground. <laughs> when we look out at the world and how broken it is, how much pain, how much destruction, how much evil, how much hurt. When we actually embrace who we are and live out who we are, when the church, when the people of Jesus do that, it will lead to goodness, it will lead to righteousness, and it will lead to truth. That is the fruit. That just is what's going to happen. But going back to our earlier points, if we just try to manufacture and strong arm goodness and righteousness and truth on our own, it doesn't work out so well for us most of the time. It definitely doesn't work out for me when I try to do that in my own strength. But when I do it out of who I am, out of who I am, all of a sudden it just happens. It just starts to come out of us. Things that I'm like, I didn't. No, I could do that in that moment. Why was I so patient in that moment with my kids? I don't know where that came from. Why, why when we go through hard things, why do, when Christians go through hard things, are they able to just, like, endure? Like, why, why was something so painful, so scary, so difficult? Why are some Christians just able to just go through that with a peace that seems to pass understanding? Why are Christians able to have a joy despite the circumstances around them? It's because of the fruit that comes from being children of light and walking in the light. Goodness, righteousness, truth. As we walk, there will be fruit. That's what Jesus says. As we walk, there will be fruit. Okay, we're gonna, for the sake of time, we're gonna pass over verse 10 and we're gonna go straight to verse 11. Here we go. So take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. 
take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Okay, we're going to pause in Ephesians and jump to Galatians really fast, another place that talks about works and fruit. So this is found in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 23. Here's what it says. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, this is Paul writing again to another church, this time in Galatia, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit, notice the works of the flesh in verse 19, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So Paul writing another letter to another group of Christians, has this similar idea of works of the flesh, works of darkness, and fruits of the Spirit. So something I want to point out to us this morning, works is a plural word, multiple works of the flesh, the sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, he goes on and on and on, anger. Those are works, but the fruit of the Spirit, that word that Paul uses in the original Greek, that's not the plural version of fruit. That's the singular version of fruit. So this is important for me to hear this morning. The fruit of the Spirit isn't just one of those things or some of those things. It's all those things. As Christians, our fruit is supposed to be all of those things. Uh, that's, that's challenging for me because I like to think of myself as like a pretty joyful person. Uh, and I can be kind. I don't always have patience, though. So that's like, that's somebody else's fruit. Like my fruit, I'm, my part of the body, I'm supposed to be the person that's just kind of good at this part of Christianity. Can you, Kelsey and others, you be good at this part of Christianity? That'd be great, please. But no, Paul says that the fruit of the Spirit, singular, it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, and on and on. That's, friends, believers, if you believe in Jesus, if you're a follower of him, that's the fruit that will come from you. The fruits that will come from you in the singular, not the works. And so I think, I, don't, I think that it's not an accident that Paul uses works of the flesh, works of darkness, and fruits of the spirit, works and fruit. I don't think it's an accident that he used that language. Because what are some characteristics of fruit? Maybe it's set apart from works. Fruit doesn't come from working. It comes from abiding. I can't just try really hard to make fruit pop out of nowhere, right? It has to come from abiding in the process of the plant, like the vine, the fruit comes from the vine, John 15. So fruit doesn't come from working really hard, it comes from abiding, it comes from being part of the plants. Fruit can't grow all by itself. It has to be attached to and part of the plant. Fruit reproduces. Fruit makes more fruit, right? As something is fruitful, it makes more fruit. Fruit is attractive. It's good to look at. My family uh, went strawberry picking yesterday and came home with just huge, huge things of strawberries and laid them all out on our counter. It looked really good. <laughs> Those were some fresh, delicious-looking, ripe strawberries. Fruit's attractive. Like, it just, it looks nice. It's, it's nice to look at. Fruit also nourishes. It's good for us. Not only does it look good, but it tastes good and is good for our bodies. And I think that that's true about what Paul is saying about the love and the joy and the peace and the patience and the kindness and on and on. We don't get those things from working. When we work, we get our flesh. We get darkness. 
when we abide, when we just live into who we are, we get fruit that comes from inside of us out. Do you catch the difference? I think that's really important. Our works, our efforts, our, our strong arming and trying to do it on our own. Ultimately, no matter how good our intentions might start, leads to being works of the flesh and darkness. But our fruit, just what comes out of us because of who we are, it reproduces, it's attractive, it nourishes. It's good for us and it's good for the world. So don't take part in the unfruitful works of darkness. It's about the fruits of the Spirit. Okay, Paul goes on to say that we should not be sharing in, we should not be sharing in these works, we should expose them. We should expose them. When things are in darkness, we can't see them until there's light there, right? Like if this room was pitch black, we wouldn't be able to see anything. We wouldn't know how many people were here, we wouldn't know who was sitting next to us. If you can't see your hand in front of your face, you can't see anything until there's light. Another way to think about it, uh, this is unfortunate for me, but I'll have to bring it up anyway. Ohio State's defense, there's many examples, unfortunately, talking about it being exposed. Um, but the one that haunts me the most is uh, what Devontae Smith did to us in the national championship a couple years ago. Uh, they were able, I know it's painful, but they were able to expose our defense. They were able to, now it happened many other times, but unfortunately that time was the worst. And we have tough Borland who's doing everything he can trying to chase Devontae Smith on a streak route straight down the middle of the field. It's just not going to work. It exposed our defense. It felt like they could do whatever they wanted to dictate to us what was going to happen. When something is exposed, it's shown for what it truly is. There's no hiding. There's no disguising. Darkness doesn't know it's dark until it sees the light. Cycles of murder and revenge, they have no possible ending until forgiveness enters in. Right? Like the, our world has just lived in cycles of violence and pain, and there's no possible ending for that, that darkness until some light enters in. If, some, if one side doesn't choose to forgive the other, there's no hope for light, right? The darkness will just continue over and over and over again. So friends, we are to not share in those works of darkness. We are to expose those works of darkness. We're to show as Christians, as believers, as followers of Jesus, we're to show what light looks like. We're to show the darkness for what it truly is, to expose it and to lead it into light. Okay, but Paul has a couple of um, pitfalls that we must avoid as we think about this. So we'll, go, we'll jump to verse 12. Verse 12 says this, For it's shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. For it is shameful to even speak of the things they do in secret. So Paul is talking about how we need to be careful then as we are exposing the works of darkness. We need to be careful though about how we talk about it. How much we talk about it. And why we're talking about it. We need to be careful uh, maybe what TV shows or movies that we watch. Are we looking at whatever trashy, you know, uh, real life love story thing? Is that just, are we exposing those works of darkness with our friends? Or are we actually just being impacted by it way more than we think? The music we listen to, the podcasts we listen to, the social media that we, is, you know, absorbed into us, sometimes for hours every day. Are we just, we need to be careful that we don't just become kind of obsessed with looking at the darkness. Obsessed with talking about the darkness. Obsessed with 
feeling better about ourselves because we're not part of the darkness. Ooh, that's a good call out for me. Why, why then are we exposing the darkness? What's our heart behind that? And are we actually exposing the darkness or is the darkness really just having a much larger impact on us than we want to admit? We gotta be careful. We gotta be careful how we look at and think about and talk about the darkness. The other pitfall that Paul wants us to avoid comes one verse later. He says to, uh, and what he's pointing to is we need to avoid the works of darkness, not the people who are in darkness. That's really important. This whole time, remember, Paul is talking about the works of darkness, not the people who are in darkness. We need to avoid the works of darkness, not the people in darkness. Let's go to uh, verse 14. It says this, For anything that becomes visible is light. And therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, for Christ will shine on you. That quote that Paul is quoting is most likely from an early church worship song. It's most likely he's reminding them of a, church, of a song that they would have sang to each other back in the day. Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Paul's writing that verse to Christians. Remember that, reminding them of the song, to Christians, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, Christ will shine on you. As Christians, sometimes we, me, I, can act like I'm asleep when it comes to things happening in the world. So sometimes we can become over-obsessed with the darkness. Other times we're just totally asleep to it, numb to it. We don't think about it or recognize it or look at it. Some of us, me included, we need to wake up. We need to arise from the dead and we need to look at the darkness in the world and enter into doing something about it because of not so that. As I was preparing for this, there's some uh, quotes from an old dead guy named Charles Spurgeon that really challenged me and I want to challenge us with them this morning. Here's what he says talking about this verse in particular, the awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, Christ will shine on you. Here's what he says from Spurgeon. This sleepiness in the Christian is exceedingly dangerous because he can do a great deal while he's asleep, and that will make him look as if he are quite awake. The sleepiness in the Christian is exceedingly dangerous because he can do a great deal while he's asleep, and that will make him look as if he are quite awake. We can walk in our sleep, we can talk in our sleep, we can move around in our sleep. Some of us are just kind of asleep to what's happening. Even though we are children of light, we're kind of living in a sleepy, hazy darkness. And we can do a lot of damage in our sleep, so we need to wake up. Another quote from Spurgeon, he says this, The man who is, who is asleep does not care what becomes of his neighbors. How can he while he's asleep? And oh, some of you Christians do not care whether souls are saved or damned. It's enough for them if they are comfortable, if they can attend to a respectable place of worship and go with others to heaven. They are indifferent about everything else. Whew. Convicting quotes. Because we're children of light, that's not supposed to just change how we live just for ourselves, just for our families, just for those we care about. And that's tough for us, for me, in this hyper-individualistic Western world that we live in right now in Columbus. It's tough. We have to work hard to swim against the cultures of the current to actually think about other people, to actually care about other people, to not be asleep. To not just be okay with 
um, being comfortable, attending a respectable place of worship like this on Sundays. We're gonna, we got our ticket to heaven, and that's just kind of good enough. It's not. For Paul, for us, it's not enough. We got to wake up. The world needs what's good, what's right, and what's true. It needs Christians who are living like light and darkness. The world's dying for it. Because when you're in the darkness, you don't even know what you don't know. Without light to expose it, the darkness isn't even able to see that it's dark. They're dead. The world needs it. It needs us to live and to walk as children of light. Uh, I'm going to try something this morning. Um, it might feel a little cheesy. I think it's pretty cool. Um, so in a second, we're going to turn off all the lights, so it's going to get really dark in here. Um, and then I'm going to walk us through kind of what's going to happen next. So um, as we do that, I'm going to have someone uh, turn on their light to start. And it's really hard for me to see. Josh, you got your cell phone on you? You haven't been looking at it this whole time, though. Right, good job. All right, Josh is going to start. Josh Phillips, he's going to start. He's going to turn his light on for us first after all the lights go down, and I'll kind of walk us through what's going to happen next. So go ahead and kill those lights for us. So this, this is the world full of darkness. Then Jesus comes and brings light. Josh, go ahead and turn your light on. Your uh, cell phone flashlight. Nice. And there it is. In the early church 2,000 years ago, when Jesus rose again and then uh, went up to heaven, there was only a few believers that existed. Uh, so would a couple people who are kind of on this section over here on the right side, would you turn on your flashlights too? Let's get your phones ready, everybody. So there you go. Great. So a few Christians kind of rise up. They band together. The church in Ephesus, the church in Galatia, the church around the world. All of a sudden, these little lights start popping up, right, in different parts of the world. These communities of Christians start living together. And all of a sudden, there's a little bit less darkness and there's a little bit more light. And then the gospel spread across three continents, across Africa, across Asia, across Europe. All right, so folks in the middle, would you start to turn your flashlights on for us? And folks on the left side, you can all turn yours on. All of a sudden, the gospel starts to move and shake. And there's light, and the gospel's spreading across the world. All of a sudden, more can be seen. Goodness, truth, more of it can be seen. All right, good. Everyone, if you would, turn on your flashlights for me all the way over on the right side. Do you see that? How cool that is. What we're a part of. Who we are. This is who we are. It can feel like there's darkness all around us. It can feel like we're alone. It can feel like the darkness is going to win, but it's not true. That's not who you are. You're children of light. And when we gather on Sunday mornings, we get to celebrate the fact that we are all together. We're not alone. The darkness is not going to win. We get to lift up our lights together. It gets to be magnified. But friends, what if we take that out into the world? It's why we do church on Sundays. It's why we do community groups. But it's also who we are in the darkness in the world, at our offices, in our homes, in our neighborhoods. We get to bring the light to the dark places. And as we do that together, there's more light. There's more power. There's power in being together. There's power in living life together. We're not individual children of light. We are a collective children of light. So let's go and love on this dark place in the world together. Let me pray for us. God, thank you. Thank you for the truth that we are not who we were. Lord, when we come and we come to know you, 
when we trust Jesus as our Savior, we change. Our identity changes. And because we're different, that's why our actions change. Lord, help us to live and to walk as children of light, to bring truth and goodness and righteousness into a dark and broken world. Lord, help us not to do it alone. Help us to love and follow and serve and care for one another so that our lights would be magnified onto this world. God, you are good. We love you and we need you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Three Creeks Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, to give online, or to attend a service, visit threecreekschurch.com. Thank you.